Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. When it's time to get a new set of windows or a new door, you got to go with Pella. Why? Because people are great. I mean, they're fantastic. Steve, Vince, Clint, Brian, everybody there is outstanding. And they can provide window and door solutions to literally any home. But you know what? You also need to know. You're going to be working with Pella the entire time. I had no idea, and I got to just hammer this home. Do you realize when you go to some other window and door companies, all of a sudden questions pop up like who's installing it, who's going to pre-finish it. Before you know it, you're working with like four or five different people. Massive headache. Massive, huge, enormous headache. You want the convenience and simplicity of working with one company, not three or four. That's Pella. Check them out on the web, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. All right. Uh, it is uh, a, another good pod recapping the Last Dance Michael Jordan uh, Chicago Bulls documentary. Boy, this is a really good one. Um, there's a lot in uh, in this in in the 1992 season, 1993 season. Uh, fast forward and then to what's going on in '98. There's a lot in Jordan's gambling, fame, all this stuff, uh, scrutiny, everything kind of peaking uh, during these times. Uh, this was probably what I thought were the two best episodes of the documentary so far, and that's saying something because these have been fantastic. So let's get to it, man. Without further ado, uh, it is yours truly, Nicholas Allen Baugh and Bo Rude recapping The Last Dance, episodes five and six, documentary on Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Enjoy. All right, episode five and six in the books, and here we are once again on a Sunday tradition that I hope never goes away <laughs> for the rest of my life. Nick Bob, Bo Rude. Bo, I don't. You and I are sitting here, so we do this every time to let people behind the curtain. We, you know, we watch the two episodes. We kind of give each other little comments throughout the episode, but we try to like save it for the pod. Yeah. There was so much in these two episodes, where I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we're just not even gonna be able to like get to. Yeah, I felt like the you know the last the last two. There wasn't as much to talk about. Maybe just uh, I felt like yeah, the, the bad boy piss it. The yeah, last like, one, it was good. Don't it was good, wrong, but, but not as much like, specifically to talk about. In this one, we we're going. Where do we even start? I don't even know where to begin. And you almost have to just take it in sequential order from ninety two to ninety three because it kind of tells the tale perfectly. I think. I think this this episode was about the branding of Michael Jordan dealing with an amount of fame that I don't know that anyone's ever dealt with. And it all came to a head with the branding of this, of, of Jordan, be like Mike, Air Jordans, all this stuff, colliding with the Jordan rules book and then the gambling stuff and all that stuff kind of exploding. But yes. I think, I think we just, I think we just take it in order Starting in '92 and and leading up to the end of '93, and that'll kind of tell us what the deal was. Yeah, uh, because I do think it's important to think about like in 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 '92, you have one of I mean in in a uh, for a guy that has a million iconic moments in the NBA Finals, you have '91, you know him switching hands over Magic. Uh, you know, we just watched the 93 finals. I mean, he had 55 in what game four. Uh, but I'm not so sure the most, the two most iconic finals moments for Jordan are the shot over Russell, the final shot. Yeah. And then I think it's the shrug. 
I think I think it's the the Portland final. So let's start there because I think it's important to like start there and build it up. Uh, I mean, it's funny how when you get to know this, you, the more behind like he took. He took personal like offense to any comparisons or anything like he could he could conjure up in his mind real or not real like reasons to 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 go at people and you could tell like the Clyde thing like he wanted to prove a point in that series and in game 1 dude goes for 35 in the first half and hits six threes in game 1 of the finals. Well, I think you got to give him credit also for like he I think he understood how much better he was than other people. Right. And, I, and and I don't know that people were giving him credit. Right. If you look back on it and probably read those articles, they were saying Michael Jordan and Clyde Drexler are the same player. Right. It's and like, like Michael at the time knew like it's not even close. Right? right. And he knew that where I think we've all, when we grew up, you know, the guys that actually play each other know, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, people out there right now are probably listening that you know played high school ball and they know what we're talking about. Where you've played these people your whole life, and all of a sudden, you know, the paper finally reports this guy is better than so and so, and you go, yeah. it does drive you up the wall a little bit. So, yeah. like, I, I understand that a little bit, even though it seems crazy. It seems like, well, Michael's so good. Why? Would... But like at the time, if it wasn't obviously stated. It would kind of get at him, I think. And yeah, and I mean, he, you know, you give magic. There's nothing better than like magic does have just like when he goes into his stories and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, before game one, they're playing cards in Michael's house, and the whole, you know, what I'm going to do to you tomorrow? I'm going to give it to this dude. And I mean, you get the shrug. I mean, it's one of the most yeah. iconic. It's it's one of the most iconic moments in sports in my life, probably. Yeah, and the problem is people nowadays they hit one three and he made finals and they shrug and he goes, "Okay, guys, just that's what we understand." It's like this wasn't game five of the regular season. You know, this was the NBA Finals defending a title, and the dude had thirty five in the first half and set a finals record. But it was just spontaneous. It was spontaneous, which you would wouldn't expect when somebody's killing it instead of going, you know doing some celebration, right. he just shrugs his shoulders like, I don't know, I'm just killing this guy. And so, you know, so they go on to, to beat Portland. And at this time, like, everything is kind of, like, the branding of everything, we got a little bit behind that stuff. Uh, you know, the Be Like Mike uh, Gatorade commercials yep. that are still, like, I mean, this guy was getting built up into, I mean, a a, a god, Basically, yeah. you know, and he, and he did a everything was just like, you know, sometimes the stars align and timing and everything is just perfect with the perfect guy with the perfect brand, all this stuff. And that's what it was with him. Yeah. Like he he had this he had this magical way about him that Gatorade captured, that Nike captured, that all that stuff captured, that it all comes to a head in Barcelona in 92 with the Dream Team. There was, was there anything, because there felt like we've heard about these infamous scrimmages before, and we've seen a few behind the scenes stuff. I feel like we got a little bit more behind the scenes stuff with some of those scrimmages than we've ever had before in Barcelona. They gave you a few extra lines. So they right. showed that in the Dream Team documentary from years ago. I think yes. it was. Yes. It would have been like 2012 or 2011. 
But it's like this. They showed some of the same clips, but then they would show those extra lines of you know Jordan just giving it to Magic and Magic trying to you know give it back to Jordan. But like they're giving like this. What's so cool about this documentary is they are Jordan's given that extra, and they're showing those extra clips that he must have some sort of say in what's getting released because they didn't release it in that Dream Team right. one, and they're releasing the extra ones here. I felt like not to bounce around too much, but like. I felt like this episode was the, or the, these two episodes were the most behind the curtain. What is Jordan really like? We've gotten yet. Yes. And, you know, the, the big part of this was that branding. You know, they, they went back and looked at the shoes, the Gatorade commercials. They're looking at, you know, as his fame rises and his brand grows. And I was kind of amazed to see. Even from an early age, he had a natural sense of how to handle it. Yeah. Like how to be, you know, when you go brand training, I don't know if they had that back then. Yeah. But Michael Jordan had a natural instinct on how to be the perfect brand of a person almost. Which is interesting. And it must come from James and James Jordan and his mother, just like how he was raised. But he had a, you know, he was a killer who somehow like, knew how to play to just middle America and, you know, like say appeal not, to both. Yeah. Like appeal to everybody. Right? right. Like he had that gift, which th- there's, there's in the history of mankind. Yes. So few that can pull that off. Right. So shove that for a second. Cause we're going to get back into that, but like sticking with the dream team, one of the things that we, you, we know about, we know about the Isaiah stuff, you know, we mm-hmm. know about like, the thing you gather there is like, yeah, was the central figure that probably didn't want Isaiah on the dream team Jordan? Yes. But I felt like it was it was relayed that like Isaiah not only was did Isaiah make an enemy out of Jordan, with the way the Pistons had played and how that like he, there was no love lost between Larry or Magic or uh or a lot of these dudes, you know what I mean? Like Patrick Ewing so, I mean, I think I think one of the things that I, Jordan was asked about what made the Dream Team special, what the one of the first things he said was the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And anybody that knows basketball understands that, like, yes, this is the greatest collect. It's the Dream Team. This is the greatest collection of basketball players ever assembled on one team. But one thing that was evident was that, like, that camaraderie, and all it takes is one. Yep. Guy, it's like it's my Bill Self ice cream Sunday analogy. Beautiful Sunday, sprinkles, all this stuff, but all you put one piece of dog shit on the top of it, it you know you don't want to eat that Sunday. Like I don't this sounds bad. Like Isaiah Thomas, I think, would have been that piece of dog poop on this thing. Well, I think if when we're talking about Isaiah I I personally think he wouldn't have adjusted the right way. Like he would have wanted to to fight Michael. Yes. For that dominance, whatever that dominance needed to be, like who who's the best, you know, even though Magic and Jordan were going at it, I think Magic knows how to get along better than Isaiah. And so I think there would have been something between Michael and Isaiah that couldn't have right. smoothed out. And because clearly Magic and Jordan, and we've all had those people, like they knew how to go at it and then let it go. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Because they have the story after the infamous scrimmage where Barkley and Magic's teams up eight or whatever, and they start 
given it to Jordan, and Jordan goes to the next level, wins the scrimmage, and then after the scrimmage, you know, Magic's able to to have the 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 self awareness to be like, well, hey, Chuck, man, we shouldn't have. We shouldn't have. Yeah, we shouldn't have pissed him off, you and know. It, and, and Isaiah, I don't think would have been able to no, do that because you know what, Magic was already on his way out, and he knew it, right? Yes, you know that that was already clear. Bird was done. He yeah, Bird, knew Bird it. drinking beers at the pool. Yeah, like, yeah, he's not even worried about it. But right. Isaiah was still in the point where he had just been overtaken by Michael, but he wasn't ready to give up playing and give up his sort of. I'm I'm sure whatever his uh, mindset was on. on on him as a player. And so I think that would, that's, that was the right move by the people picking the team is they didn't make Jordan or they didn't make Pippen or bird or magic say it's Isaiah or us. They didn't even let that happen. They just said, this guy's not going to be here. They were smart enough to know if we're going to get this thing, like let's, we got to get Jordan and we got to get magic and we got to get bird as much as Isaiah deserved to be on the team, which he did. Yes. He didn't matter for the, for the, the overall picture. Agree. Jordan and- magic bird mattered. Those three are on the, on the cover, right? They're the cover yes. boys. You just need those three names. That's and it. That's it. And, and so a lot of this stuff we've become numb to, and, and been over it so many times that, that, you feel like, well, everybody understands it. Like, that's why I wanted to make sure we reiterated and started with like the shrug. Like, guys, that is an iconic sports moment that will live forever. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to hit, and then I think, yeah, we know about the dream team. It's easy to like, like push that aside. You talk to and read about from a lot of different people, whether it's David Stern, different people that understand the game. Like the that moment in time was and and the dream team in the 92 Olympics and in Barcelona and what happened there changed the course of basketball. It made it global, it it changed everything. It was the right guy at the right time like you said. And that moment brought us international basketball as we know it today. Yes. Like that that like one month of basketball, you know, from the NBA finals and Jordan's second championship through the through the end of the Olympics and the Dream Team brought us in, like such a shift in international basketball because all these countries, Europe, uh, you know, the Middle East, wherever, like they finally all got to see like what like American basketball at its best was, and it's just like it took the world by storm. It did. So I think it's I, th- I think we all know about it, but it bears repeating, and we need to make sure we always understand the significance of of that moment in time. It was huge. Like I remember it. Vi- like I remember the poster still like on your door. Yes, the we dream- have it. It's in the closet there. You you bought it for the pottery room. I just haven't hung it up yet. Like so we ripped it. We ripped it. We opened it up. We ripped it. <laughs> ripped you know? it out of the box. It, it's it's the most sports n- nostalgia. Uh, give you that those feelings inside. When I look at that the the jerseys, I look at the faces. It just does something to your sports soul. I mean, I own a Jordan. I own two basketball jerseys. Mm-hmm. Like where I bought. A Kobe Bryant number eight with the Lakers, Baby Fro, and a Michael Jordan Team USA number nine Dream number Team nine. jersey. So the two jerseys I own, and 
the one thing you have to think about too is because everything's like we talk about the stars aligning and everything. So we have this unbelievable collection of like this great team and the Olympics. Think about what the Olympics does. It makes stars out of people you've never heard of before. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and you you find yourself rooting for people and for things that you never rooted for before, you know? I fell in love with Dominique Mucciano in the 1994 Olympics. I mean, Dominique Milecki. And, uh, you know, but you go from Michael Johnson in the Olympics to, was, was, you know, him setting the record for the 200 and the 400 to then Michael Phelps. Like, the, the, the Olympics does this thing, and this was that times a million. Yeah. Because you already had these established brands and then again, the important thing is that the focal point of all this, the face of the dream team was Michael Jordan. It was a it was a perfect moment in time, is what it was. So so you have this, you have this like you have this rise. And you know you 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 have Jordan winning two straight titles, taking down magic, then you know, putting on a show in the ninety two finals, and then the dream team, and he wins the gold medal. And everything gets built, and, and 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 it feels like the branding of Jordan is like at its height. Yeah, you know, of this like he's. I mean, again, be like Mike. It's like be. I mean, Michael Jordan was like the the poster child of like perfect. You know, for, for America, like they 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 said it in the documentary, he became a cultural icon, probably the most known cultural icon in our country. Yes. Across all, but not, not just sports, like right? Across everything, which is just crazy to think about. And it's and it's funny now because it seems so commonplace, but how t- that Michael, I think David Falk is his name, Jordan's agent. How they had they represented a lot of tennis players. Got like how they they had a plan to to kind of brand Jordan as an individual within a team sport and. It all aligned, you yeah. know. It it all it all aligns to where all of a sudden now in this in this 1993 season, there's all of a sudden some things happening that make you realize, oh, Jordan might not be as perfect as all of us thought. Yeah, started with the Jordan Rules book by Sam Smith. Uh, you do wonder when when all that was kind of relayed, who was. Who was leaking shit from the team? You know, I think the fact that Jordan, Jordan, like, I feel like unequivocally said it was Horace. Now, Horace denies it, but I feel like Jordan, like, if I trust, I trust Jordan. When Jordan says something, I I feel like I trust it. Right. Like, if he says a name, he thinks, like, I, I feel like he takes, he doesn't take that lightly. No. You know, if it took him 20 years to say it and he's finally saying it. He's thought about this. And, and so all of a sudden now, I mean, and this is what happens. And it's funny how what you, it's funny how your brain like protects you from certain things of like what you remember. Yeah. Like funny how we think to ourselves, like when LeBron's getting scrutinized, people love to be like, Jordan didn't get scrutinized. I mean, Jordan was getting heavily scrutinized. There were books written about it. Now he was on top. So at the end of the day, you know, it's like he's on top, but he's getting heavily scrutinized. He wasn't just getting scrutinized. The, the the main one of the main themes from you know where they they started in '92 into '93, and what they were showing in the last season, right when they're yeah. flashing forward back to '98, 
is fame is approaching a level of craziness with Michael Jordan that no human being can handle and stay sane, I think. Right. Right? Like, he's so well-loved, people riot. You know, yes. they show everywhere he goes, there's a crowd of people screaming his name, trying to get an autograph, and that's not just at the stadium. That's, that's at the hotel. In, at the hotel, in the parking lot, when he leaves his room, when he goes to the store, when he go, and it never ends. So, and then you start topping that with these people that now are going to try to poke holes at you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what happens. Like, it's the fame, which you'd say it's good, right? Like, people love me, but it gets to a point of craziness. And then they start trying to tear you down. Right. And so, like, that's what I'm, more than anything, it's like, why did Jordan leave? He wanted to play, like, I think the media, it's showing me the media and the fans drove Jordan out of basketball. I I can't believe that I've never, because for the life of me, everything that you think you understand about Jordan, this hyper-competitive, you know, like I'm the king of the mountain until you knock me off the mountain, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, he's at the peak. So we're in the 93 season now. Like I said to you, like I think personally, 93 Jordan was peak Jordan. Yeah. Like I think he's never been, it, it it was the, probably the peak of his athletic yeah. uh, explosiveness. He's his mental games there. He's got his jumper. Like I think, I think so like he's at the peak. Well, like what did, what did BJ say again? BJ, BJ said he was, he was playing the, he was letting everybody play. He was playing the, everybody else was playing. He was winning, winning. Games. Yeah. I, like I, he everybody was, else was playing the game. He was winning. the game. And your, your analogy was the, I, my, my analogy I've given it on TV a handful of times is, is don't just play the sport of basketball, play the game. Yeah. And what, and what that means is uh, the game is time score momentum. How are you playing? How's your opponent playing? How's your teammate playing? Like understanding all those things. Yeah. And so many players just play the sport, but you're not playing the game. And it seemed like Jordan was mastering that with, then when you combine that with his physical. He's the best physically. He's the best physically. So you have an unstoppable force. Yeah. And so I used to always be like, why why would he have left? Like, why did he leave? He was 30 years old, right? 30 years old. He's won three in a row. He's never been better. But I will say this episode, this episode six, was the first time I've ever felt like I started to understand why he would, he needed to just get away from all that shit. Because let me tell you this, the most competitive human being probably that we know of in the world is probably Michael Jordan. That's yes. probably fair. Probably fair to say. Actually, what's his brother's name? Larry Jordan? Larry Jordan. Larry might Jordan have. might be more competitive. <laughs> Um, but if he didn't have, there weren't fans that were crazy and there weren't media that were crazy. Michael Jordan might still be playing basketball. Mm -hmm. Like he would never have left. Right. Like he wouldn't have gotten bored playing professional, professional basketball. If he just was like, could be Mike just himself and go play. But it's, it's so obvious when you see his day to day life and how insane people are when he's around. I mean, I don't know. I 
I totally understand. Like well, you just got to get out of it. You just don't want to be living that life. What's What's sad is we're seeing because because you know we got the two timeline thing going right. So we're having the '98 season going, and then we're having the flashback stuff, and now we're in '93. Both are years he retires from basketball. Mm-hmm. For retires from the Bulls. Yeah, and they're for different reasons, and they all have nothing to fucking do with the game. It's for '93. It's the scrutiny, the fame, people trying to poke at him, bring him down, and he just wants to step away from it. And in 98, it's management, it's Jerry Krause, it's all the stuff with Phil not coming back, Scotty demanding a trade. It's all, it's just funny that like... Uh, but I think fame is... Oh, oh the, it carries through. I Don't think that fame part of it's still still with him in, uh, in 98 too. Uh, I agree. The thing that because because the thing that's crazy, and I wanted to make sure because I wrote it down, I wanted to squeeze this into the pod. The thing that I couldn't believe that I had no idea: sixty-two thousand people came to watch Jordan's final game against Atlanta at the Georgia Dome in nineteen ninety-eight. Sixty-two thousand, Bo. That's crazy. Like that's. And you could get that. He could get that at every city if he want. If they would, if they, if they would have, yeah, if they would have just played every team would have played at a football stadium. Yeah. Sixty, and because you heard that uh, whoever the, some ticket guy with the Hawks was basically like, yeah, you know, and if we would have added ten more, ten thousand more seats, we'd have filled it. I mean, it's just crazy. So and then, I mean, and this is he, a regular season game. Did he have to handle his own tickets too? Yeah, that's what was that about? I was like, I man, I go. That's making his year way. Some like- of the best footage is him in that room in a suit, <laughs> clearly before a game, talking shit to people, playing that quarter game with the, the security guard, the security guard, and trying like, to take their quarters. Right, trying to take some security guard at that works for the Chicago Bulls. Some like nerdy guy some in guy, glasses. Yes, that was actually hustling him to kind of give it. Yeah. to him. Like, you feel good taking money off Michael, but Michael wanted to take his quarters. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> I think before we get into like the 93 playoffs, because there's a lot, there's a lot that happened in the 1993 playoffs. Yeah. Where, and, and, you know, we're, I'm going to make sure we carefully craft this conversation because it's something that I purposely steer clear of because I think it's volatile and no matter what, you're going to, depending on what your position is, you know, like you're going to piss off half your audience and that's, and that's engaging in politics. Yeah. But I think it's something that you probably have to talk about with Jordan after this episode, because you have the famous, the, you know, the, the famous line of Republicans buy sneakers too. And, you know, because there was a whole thing with Harvey Gantt was going to be the first black senator in the state of North Carolina. Jordan wouldn't publicly back him, even though he said he donated to him, but he wouldn't publicly back him. And what's hard is the same thing that I think helped his popularity is the same thing that that probably pissed off some people is a part of what made him so popular is he never delved into politics at all. He basically did, he tried to do nothing. He, he didn't do, he didn't, he didn't want to do anything to piss anybody off. And ultimately when you enter into that world, 
you're going to piss off people. I, I, I don't. Some, for me, actually, like I, I don't fault Michael Jordan just because I know people might, they, you know, I think people always want you know somebody to take the stand, take and the say stand, what they believe. But I don't know that Michael Jordan has his strong beliefs. You know, in 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 that realm as he does in just as like, hey, I'm a businessman. Right. I'm a competitor. Like well, that matters to him more probably than making sure everybody knows how he feels on politics. Where like like I, that's just not where he felt comfortable. And I kind of I that doesn't bother me. Like if you're not I, comfortable, you know, diving into to being a an activist, like. That's fine. Like, See, that's the not thing. everybody needs to do that. Yeah, because he, I mean, he said, he was quoted after, like, well, I wrote that, he said, he goes, I didn't view myself as an activist or a politician. He goes, I just, I thought of myself as a basketball player. But that's, and, isn't that right? Like, and, and to me, it's like, the, and this is where people want to have, like, the the world has far more nuance or and gray than we want to make it out to be. Yeah. We try to make the world out to be definitive line, there's black, there's white, there's this, there's that. Yeah. There's Republican, there's Democrat. Like when there, there's nuance, you know, like Muhammad Ali wanting to speak out. That's f- I'm f- I support that and I'm fine with that. And that's fine. But that's him. But that's him. LeBron James wanting to speak out all this stuff. That's fine. Steve Kerr wanted to speak out and speak again. Like that, I got no problem with that. Just like I have no problem with Jordan not wanting to. You know, and that's not to say that like you and I, we've had like, it's not to say you and I don't have political beliefs and feelings. We have discussions on politics, but to me, there's just time, place, uh, what, like we're not doing, uh, a political podcast here. We're doing a sports podcast. So why would, why are we going to go there? You know, like, I don't, I don't want to say stick to sports, but I just don't have, I don't know. I I, I can understand that. I very much understand because it's funny. I, I, you know, I help with this podcast, right? So I'm a, I'm a podcaster, right? But I also consider myself a private person, you know, like I, you, I always, you know, we always talk about social media and I do none of it, right? Because I, I feel like it's invades my privacy in some way. Like I don't like sharing too much. Yeah. I understand that a lot of places. And, and I feel like I look at Jordan and, you know, if this were, you know, he would be coming up right now. I mean, things would be differently, obviously, but I don't see him as a person that would be snapping videos of himself every 30 seconds. Right. You know, there's some athletes, it's what they do, right? I mean, I don't follow Instagram, but I, does Michael Jordan go on Instagram right now? I don't think so. I, I just don't think he does. I mean, he could do that right now, but he's a private person. That's how he kind of... How he naturally leans. So like, I, I just, I get, I get every sex. I get how someone would could listen to this and say, "Well, when when you have a platform and influence, it is your duty to help or to whatever, right? And get and to be involved and to get in the game. You know, like I think of that. Like, what's the Martin Luther King line of like a blind eye to injustice." is you know like that like that in of itself i'm butchering it but you know some of the extent of like if you don't if you just sit on the sidelines you're as complicit in the injustice as anyone else right and i I get that but i also think like if someone doesn't want to engage in it like i i don't 
I'm not necessarily. Not, I don't. Not every. Yeah, but not everybody's a politician, and not everybody, especially like at certain places in your life. Like when you're 30. Yeah. Like when you're 28 years old. Like, are you ready to be like thrust into the deep end of that stuff? Well, all like, I know is I like, don't the, know. I mean, I'm. I know for you. I, I mean, I feel like I probably had certain beliefs and thoughts on things when I was 28. That now that I'm 35, going to turn 36 in a couple of weeks. Like, I feel different. You know. Yeah. So like, you got. I, I don't know. I just. I thought that was. That was interesting. I, yeah, like I said, and, and, you know, we keep hitting this theme. Every one of these recaps is like Jordan's giving us more. Like even to even bring that up in yeah. his documentary is a big step for Michael Jordan. Hey guys, quick break to talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors. And I, I want to make sure that you guys understand that Pella windows of Omaha and Lincoln, they're following CDC guidelines uh, during this coronavirus situation. They can safely serve any of your window and door needs in the showroom or in your home. All the employees at Pella and the customers are completing a COVID-19 questionnaire as provided by the CDC prior to entering the showroom, entering the office, and uh, any uh, potential customer's home. And all the employees are required to self-quarantine for a recommended 14 days. If uh, that individual comes into contact with someone who's tested positive, if they traveled anywhere outside of the Omaha Lincoln area, bottom line, they are taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that they are safe and you are safe so you can safely move forward with your window and door needs. And uh, on top of all that, as a result of all this stuff with the coronavirus, uh, Pella is offering temporary special financing options. They are now available. So man, now is the time to take advantage of these special rates and uh, put that value back into your home, and you have that peace of mind knowing that all the necessary safety uh, protocol and precautions have been uh, put into place by Pella, so you know the whole time you can feel safe. Give Pella a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. That he, yes, I agree that he was that he was willing to kind of give context behind the infamous quote of Republicans by sneakers yeah. too and all that stuff. I mean, like, that seems like it took Michael Jordan, you know, fifty years of his fifty five years of his life before he's like, you know, just what? so you know, I donated to a guy once twenty five years ago. Okay, so, yeah, you know, yeah, it's like, right, yeah, that's a big step for Michael. But a part of but but what's amazing though is like a part of what made what what makes the Jordan brand and Jordan so popular is. There's, he's one of the, we've talked about this. Like he's he's one of the f few athletes over the past 25, 30 years that there is a little bit of unknown. Like even though you feel like you know everything about Jordan, you don't like not not the way we feel like we know everything about LeBron and this is about the most Steph. I've, this is the most I've ever seen on this guy as him being himself. That I've ever seen. So, so there's some, there is some, uh, there is some value in not bearing it all. Mm -hmm. There, there is some value in that. For me, it, there is. Yeah, I, I love that. So, I, I mean, I, I think the uh, when, when we now fast forward to to get back to like the 1993 playoffs, which were, I, I mean, crazy. To, to say the least. Think about this dude against the against the Knicks in the conference finals. 
there is he goes to Atlantic City after they lose after two they in lose a row. game after no after they, after they game lose one? game one so yeah. before so basically the night before game two he is spotted in Atlantic City and Jordan Mitzi was there yeah he, and he's spotted in a, in an Atlantic City casino and he gets crushed for that. He gets criticized for that, sparking Jordan shut the media out, didn't cut the media off, didn't talk to him for two weeks until right before game one or right, I think right before game one of the NBA Finals. Yeah, and all, the, and all the gambling stuff really came to light around the country, and it was just – it was craziness. I will say, and I don't – I mean, I feel like we've always kind of thought like – we always knew Jordan loved to gamble, and you knew he loved cards. You knew he loved golf. But this was like some of the the some of the the people he was involved with. You know, there were, there was a guy he had to take the stand on. Was it what was the guy's name like Slim? Like something I mean, that like was a money launder. Like he was doing you know some white collar crime stuff and wrote him a check for fifty seven thousand dollars. That was was a gambling debt then you have the the guy that wrote the book about playing golf with jordan and that so let me ask you this when you see those characters and that michael jordan was playing with those characters like what does that tell you about michael jordan in those scenarios well i think and i i you know you you know when you add a holic after things it's not you know, obviously you want to be sensitive to that because that's a serious thing. You know, there's like people have diseases with this stuff, but like, I think Jordan is a, is a, has a gambling problem, has a, has like a massive gambling problem. Yeah. When you're, when you're, so, so I guess what I'm saying is like, when you have a problem, you, that problem will lead you to places and lead you to people that you wouldn't normally be with. Exactly. Like, how do you get paired up with these characters, right? Like, I mean, he's Michael Jordan. Access to him has got to be really hard, but he's like, oh, that guy's willing to... Like, that guy's willing to play for $25,000 yeah, for that, 18 like, holes. Like, yeah, I want like, to play to with To me, him. he's taking on all comers that are known gambling nuts. Like, he's seeking out those guys to me. Because you know they're seeking him out, but he's also got to be like... Oh yeah, that guy's one of those. He's one of me. Right. Bring that guy in. I'll take on anybody. Like to me, it's like Michael Jordan wasn't vetting these guys because to him it was they were giving him exactly what he wanted. Somebody is nuts about competing as he was, and that we're going to throw that money because that, that kind of money. Yeah, because you know, like, that got it. That probably got him excited. Yes, right? I mean let's be honest. Like me and you go play putt putt golf if if. Each holes for a buck or each holes for a thousand bucks. Oh my! The God. nerves are going to be different, and yeah. and it's all relative. You know, yes, you know, like David Aldridge had the comment, like paying, you know, gambling for ten bucks to us that might be ten thousand dollars to Jordan. But nevertheless, like yeah. when you're getting that kind of money, that's going to get if the juices. Make, going. If you make fifty million dollars a year, which he was making those in the nineties, right? Like ten thousand dollars is like the person who makes. 50,000 and bets 10. Yes. It's really not that different, right? So, like, that's the part that it's hard for the average person to understand. It's like, oh, Michael Jordan lost 50,000. It's like, it's like losing 50 to you. Right. Right. But there is a, 
uh, there is an issue there when you seek out people like he was seeking out. I mean, he yes. was seeking out the the and wackadoo both. hustlers. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I wrote down that he he was down 1.2 million to the to the one golf guy. Yeah, I mean, 1.2 is still a lot. That's like, but when you're down, I get, I get that he's. You know, I mean, the guy's got a net worth of a billion dollars, you know, like, and he's making 50, like, when you, when you get in the whole $1 million to someone. Yeah. That's your we've, whole. We've, yeah, that's there, your there whole. There have been about 30 checkpoints where you could have said, I need to stop. What am I doing? And he plowed through all those things. So, I mean, I think, you know, he had the, he had the line that he did that interview with some woman I didn't recognize. Which, by the way, he did a lot more candid one-on-one interviews than I feel like I remembered back in the day. But they asked him if he had a gambling problem, and he said, "I don't have a gambling problem. If I did, I'd be hawking this watch, and I'd have all you know all this stuff." But he goes, "I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competition problem." Mm-hmm. And to me, you're kind of like, it, it, "It's I agree, but you're also getting into semantics, and you're getting into rationalizing, like." He clearly he did have like a, a competition problem. Just like he wanted to go play blackjack for a buck a hand with Paxson and Purdue, just like he wanted to play the security guard for a quarter. Yeah. It, you know, before games. No doubt. No doubt. But yeah, it's uh, with him though, I think he could rationalize it as like the amount of money he was making made it, the gambling not a problem because you know what? He could afford it. it. Wasn't a, you know he's talking yeah. about hawking. Right. That to me says he thinks well, I can lose every every hand and every match, and it won't even make a dent in my life. Right. It's just in my entertainment. And so it's just you know so all that stuff, all this stuff is crescendoing in the 1993 season. Mm-hmm. You like it's the peak of his celebrity and fame. And then it's the peak of the scrutiny at the same time with a lot of the gambling stuff that's all coming to like, I think it's funny how we, our brain like autocorrects to like protect our memories of things. Like this guy, he is in the, in he's in the, like we always have this idea like, oh, Jordan had it cushy and there was no, nothing crazy. You know, like he couldn't deal with what LeBron was dealing with. It's like, it's like, the, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Like that's one of my main takeaways is like, we have this idea that like the world that Jordan dealt with was so drastically different than the world LeBron's dealing with. And yes, there are elements that are different with social media, with 24 hours a day, uh, news talk like and opinion shows and all that stuff but nevertheless like you're seeing all that stuff like it it got to him oh i mean it wore him out it wore him out to the point where like i mean think about this guy in the eastern conference finals was at a casino the, the night before game two, they lose. He comes back to beat New York. He's shut the ice the media out for two weeks until he's until he talks to Ahmad Rashad before the NBA finals start. Mm-hmm. And you know, like all that stuff is going on. Like he's having to do a one-on-one interview with Ahmad Rashad about his gambling <laughs> before he's going for the three-peat. Like it's just. It's crazy. You just, uh, I didn't remember it. I no. I didn't remember any of it. But, you know, in the end, it's just, you know, I, I loved those Suns teams. And we were talking about that a little bit. Yeah. And that was, that was the only time I think in our lives we were really 
at, we went at each other. Yeah, was, I mean, was, I, I, you I were was, all in on Barkley and I the Suns. I had the Barkley poster in the wall. I loved all those Suns players, and they were a really good team. Um, but just in the end, like it didn't matter that the Suns were the winningest team in the league. Had all the guys that you think you need to win. Uh, that all this stuff was happening, Jordan. Like the guy just was too good, overcame it all. I mean, you—if we went to your childhood home, etched into you guys added concrete oh, for yeah. your basketball hoop. I forgot that you guys put in. It was called a crank. It was the crank it like you could bison, rip, yeah. bison crank. It was like the Rolls Royce of home oh, home that basketball was, that hoops. Was a big, that was a and big so you year. guys had this like you guys added concrete. And obviously, when you add concrete, usually people do like a handprint or they write stuff. Like you have the Suns logo, if I'm not mistaken. I think I did a handprint and the Suns. <laughs> so we would go. Like if we would go to the house, could we find it? Uh, it would be. I think it'd be there. Yeah, it should be there. But that's. But that goes to show you, like you were all in on. That, you were all in on the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, score. it was a. It was a pretty crazy how that worked too, because Barkley got traded from the Sixers in. I believe after the 92 season. I think so. Because then it was, yeah, because then it was Barkley in the Olympics with Jordan and he like, he lost all that weight and they had, and then like literally the Suns first year, like they were the best team in the league. I'm telling you. And Barkley won the MVP that year. Charles now is like, you know, he's, he's such a, he's funny. He's outspoken. We know him as the, like a lot of people, like lost in all of the hilariousness between him and Ernie and and Kenny and Shaq and stuff like that. Like people like that guy was an unbelievable player. Well, yeah, especially like Barkley coming out of college was 300 pounds. Like he was a big, just like, you know, he was the, the, the The round round rebound. Yeah. He was that guy. And then when he transformed his body, finally got into shape, like it's hard to picture Barkley as that guy right now, right? Because he's this he's bigger on TV right. and he's just big and slow. And but he was moving. He and could run, he could dunk, he could like he shoot could pass, he could shoot. He just he had this very unique game because he was like six five. Yes. And he played power forward and it was just but he had an unbelievable year and And Jordan had fifty five on him in game three, maybe game three. Yeah. Like what, I mean but Barkley had, you know, Barkley was still like playing really good in that finals. But it was just Jordan being Jordan. It was just you can't be, beat beat Jordan. I think. So what I like, so then, so obviously, you know, it, it it comes to you know game six, the the great play. Phoenix did what they needed to do on that final possession. You know, they they ran to it. Jordan got the ball out of his hands in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. Gets it to Pip. Pip gets it to Horace. Horace. Sprays it back out to the wing, packs and splashes it, three peat. Mm-hmm. I think I was in your living room watching that with you. When Probably packs and hit that shot. I mean, I feel like did you and I have like beef for five minutes, maybe. I mean, probably that's probably it was so probably amazing. Five seconds, yeah, yeah it was so amazing to, just to watch that whole thing. Anyway, uh, so now they've just won their third championship, and you can even see in the celebration, it's different. You know, there were tears in 91, 92, it was joy and celebration. 93, they talk about how it's, it was relief. And you can just tell it's it's like everything is weighing on him. That wasn't the type of joyous moment you you saw in the first one. No. And even the second one. Like the third one, it was just like, thank God it's over. So I think 
I, so far, you know, because we're at basically like we're at halftime of the of the documentary, you know, yeah. a little little beyond. What I wanted out of this documentary was I wanted to I wanted to get a, a better window into Jordan. I feel like we're getting that, and I just wanted to understand why on a variety of things. Because although we know everything there is to know about the Jordan story, there are a lot of, well, why Why did he do that? Why did he do this? Why did they, why did it end in 98? Why did he leave after 93? And I feel like, and maybe this is just me, I feel like I'm understanding those things as it's unfolding. Well, you know the, the narrative that they say that's, the NBA made Michael Jordan take a yeah. two-year break as a suspension or, you know, whatever he had. Yeah, there's always been rumors about that. They like, say that a lot, and I think sometimes I'm guilty of like, mm, that's a possibility. And then you watch this and you see how he felt that last year with all, and you see all the that's fame. That's a good point. And he, it's like there's no part of me that thinks that could be true now. It's all just... He was worn out from it. He wanted right. no more of that life. He he had had a he like clearly at the end of ninety three he had had enough. He needed a break. He wanted away yeah. from. He wanted out. He wanted away from that life. And so there's a lot of stuff. Then we're gonna probably get more like it wouldn't. It now kind of all makes sense that like he wanted to escape that life, mm-hmm. but he has a competitive problem. So he needed to scratch that competitive itch somehow. Well, what better place to scratch the competitive itch and live in kind of an anonymous life than fucking minor league baseball with the Birmingham Barons? That's it. So all this stuff, because I'm with you, there's always been a part of me that like, do I... Would I maybe kind of buy that the NBA made him leave because of some gambling? So I'm like, yeah, I mean, I may buy that. But like watching this, yes, you got a window into his gambling problem. But you also got a window, like you said, into like he clearly everything, how he was feeling was someone that needed a break. Yeah, I think it's similar to when uh, I think like Fox, like once every 10 years, like, did we fake the moon landings? And they're like, (laughs) take a look. And this one guy's like, see this here? Like. See that shadow? It's going the wrong way. That's how we know. <laughs> and it's like, well, here's NASA. They have uh, the documentary of them actually right, right. doing everything. It's like, and so you just need to like, let's trust NASA. Like, right. so like, let's trust Michael Jordan. Let's not trust like the guy that says the shadow's going the wrong way. Right? Exactly. That's that's what we do with this whole. He had to take a break because the NBA ordered it from gambling reasons. Like. Well, it, you I don't, Stern, David Stern was quoted in it. Like the NBA investigated his gambling, and and you know Stern was like, "Yeah, he makes too much." I mean, yeah, Stern was basically like, <laughs> "We yeah, looked at his earnings, good, like, but yeah. like uh, whatever." I think he literally you know? said, "We looked at his earnings, we're like, nah." <laughs> yeah, I mean, get it? It it all makes sense. So I guess I'm just like, if we're at the halfway point of this, it, it's just I'm having I'm I'm getting a better sense of Jordan and I'm getting a better sense the the first why I always wondered was why did he leave why would he have retired after winning 3 in a row knowing all that we know about how about him well in, in the James Jordan deal the the murders the, the 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 that, murder of his father's okay, coming the more this goes on I'm actually I'm most curious to see if he talks about it I know I because that I, 
I mean, Nick, that because would clearly, be... I think it's pretty clear, and it's been established even in this documentary that the number one person in his life was his dad mm-hmm. by a mile. Like in terms of admiration, wanting respect from uh, all that stuff. Because like, I mean, James Jordan was in; he is everywhere with 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 MJ, yeah. and so that's. I will say the other thing I wanted to see was, you know, in terms of what I wanted out of this documentary, I was really curious how I'm because that's got to be coming up in the next in in the next two episodes is what happens with the passing of of James Jordan. Yeah, that's one that's funny. I I don't think about that very often. Again, there's so much, Bo, there's so much with our brains that we kind of just don't like when it comes to that Jordan file in our brain. There's only so much that gets into that file and things like, I mean, Jordan's dad was murdered. Yeah, that's, that's nuts, man. That's nuts. I, I, I hope, I hope that, uh, they actually go into it. I hope, jo- I, I just want to hear I, Jordan talk about it. I would love to see, I know that's probably got to be more than hard, you know, Oh God! but I wonder if enough time has passed where he feels like he can say some things. Yeah. I, I don't know. All right, hey, Bo. Uh, we're taking a quick break from talking about Michael Jordan here real quick. Pop quiz, you know what, May 10th? What's going on on May 10th? Do you know what would be going on on that day? I got a good idea since we just discussed it. Yo, I, I gave it away, huh? It's Mother's Day. I had no idea that Mother's Day was... I mean, it's, it's right around the corner. I don't know that I ever have been aware of when Mother's Day was. <laughs> I don't know if you're like me, but growing up, it was sort of like... You walk in the door like it's Mother's it's Day. Like, oh, go, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, oh yeah, okay. And we've got Mom. What? And you write your name on the card, and you. Well, and what ends up happening on 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 Mother's Day is like you end up, you know, you got if you have a wife with a kid, you have like the mother-in-law. You know, it's like it's 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 crazy how that all ends up being where you got to think about gifts for there, gifts for there, gifts for there. But here's the thing: like you sit there and you go, like, what gift are you gonna do? You really got to do flowers? You got to get your mother a good gift. That's I'm the key. I'm not anti-flowers. No, you got to give them something more than flowers, Nick. It's got to be something a little bit better than flowers. You know what it is? Hmm. It is various purses. Ooh. Women love a good purse. And <laughs> the, the people, okay, the owner of, because people need to go to sapan.com, S-A-P-A-H-N.com. We know the person who runs this. We've known this young woman since we are we're 12 years old. Yes. Yep. Great woman. She does incredible things. She's a fellow Southeast Knight. She moved to Thailand with her husband, who's also one of our best friends in the world. And they start an artisan-led fashion brand that is changing the fashion game. And I don't know, does your wife have any My wife's got... She already has a purse. So does my wife. She loves it. Loves it. I'm not, I'm just telling you. We don't, I don't know. I mean, a purse, like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I got my wife for her birthday some necklaces and bracelets, matching silver necklaces and bracelets from Sapan. Uh, oh, so you're ago. a Sapan veteran. I'm already a veteran, yes. You're a new. You have earned your pension with the with the. You're Sapan. learning about Sapan. I, I have been I've here. known about it, and I know my wife loves it. I'm just I'm just telling you. Every like women love this. So you're saying if 
for Mother's Day, if let's say there's a couple of viewers out there that have wives and mothers they're trying to find a gift for, we're, I, we found it for you. We found it for you, okay? I think we're on to something here. Because they told us here, this is good. This is a good copy from Brooke. Three words, buttery, soft, leather. Buttery. That's how Buttery's you get me in. Buttery's a great word. That's how you get me in. Buttery can mean a lot of different things, but we're talking about purses right now. I'm just telling you right now, they have awesome stuff. They have purses, handbags, wallets. You, you got jewelry. Yeah, good silver. Jewelry. I mean, you got all that stuff. And, you know, it's a local business. Like, like, let's support, you know, our people during these difficult times with the coronavirus. I'm just telling you, this person's going to love this. Yes. It's your, unique. Your mom, your, it's your, unique. And, it, like, it's, it, it's something that, in a category for men, this is a hard place to shop normally. Very. But this is your easy button. You just said easy button. And we're going to make it even easier. When you go to Sapan.com, S-A-P-A-H-N.com, enter the code GAMETIME. Enter the code GAMETIME at checkout for $50 off plus free shipping. Bro. She, I think she knew what she was doing. She's been watching the Michael Jordan documentary. That's, what time is it? We have to attribute. What time is it? It's game time. Who? That's what it is. <laughs> it's game time. Who? I think that's what was going on in the offices of Sapan. So enter the discount code game time at checkout. Again, that is Sapan.com. S-A-P-A-H-N dot com. Back to uh, us talking about Jordan. Let's now throw it back to us. You ready? Let's go, guys. Let's go. Take Here it. We go. Take it away. So there you go. We're at about 49 minutes. I mean, I think that's, I mean, this, to me, these two episodes were about uh, the branding, the fame, and the scrutiny, and the basketball excellence peaking. Peaking. It's pinnacle. It's it a, is peaking. It's the most pinnacle moment maybe in all of sports. Yeah. I, I mean, ever. You talk about anything. I'm, tr I'm trying to think of anything else that has ever peaked in a way that Michael Jordan in 1993 in, in the, like in 1992 93 where it's like it was it was so pinnacle sports excellence it, it, it was just it was an explosion of everything and so there you go I mean I I, I thought that was a really I'm not I don't know what you I thought those were the two best episodes so far one was one was good but one and two are good. I think that's right up there with it. I just any any behind the scenes stuff that we get to see with Jordan, where he's really like in his element. Like even the stuff initially at the All Star game, him in the locker room talking Kobe, with yeah. the guys, and then talking to Kobe and saying, you know, Kobe's gonna he's gonna try and go one on one, and all you got like all that stuff. It, it's just I incredible. That. that was awesome to see how much Kobe was on his radar. Yes. Talked about him like all game long, the young kid that's going to take a lot of shots. Right. And he's going to try to score. They, they were, they, yeah, like he saw, like he, even the little brother thing happened like right then and there. Yeah. And that stuff too. And then even like uh, the, the Ron Harper, Scotty, and Jordan drinking Miller Lights in the training room after they clinched the playoffs in 1998. I was. I wanted to see if they were going to talk about that, but I read somewhere that that Jordan, because Jordan never drank, and they said that in the first two episodes, I think. Maybe. Yeah, Jordan didn't drink, 
didn't smoke and didn't do like those things. And then he, I think at some point, I want to say probably in those, probably in, I mean, I would think in, in 1992 ish in those, those or years, 1991, he, he couldn't sleep. And uh, so one of his doctors recommended he should have start drinking some beer before bed. It'll help him go to sleep. So then like, I think he became somebody that drank more and I think he drinks well, and the other thing that's amazing now. is like how many cigars this dude smokes. Like every, on game day. By 98, every day. I mean, he, it's like, you know, he's like, yeah, we played a Hawks tonight. You know what I'm saying? And he's just in his hotel murdering a, a cigar. By 98, he had cigars. That's all I can tell you. And But it just goes to like, I love the line from Scotty before they clinch. I mean, they're in 98. And so they've already won five championships, and they're getting ready to clinch the playoffs. And he said, all I was thinking about in the fourth quarter was that ice cold beer. <laughs> and is that not those – like I felt like even for all of the, 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 the biggest of the biggest stage and the biggest and the best team, like there still is that element of like you just want to go have a, a cold beer with your buddies after When the that game. becomes your normal – you don't care about that. You yeah. just want – a beer. Th- those those guys just wanted to get back to the locker room and have a beer. And I love that Ron Harper, you know, was like Scotty was like, we don't want we don't want these guys film filming us having a beer. And Ron Harper didn't give a. Fuck. I don't care. Like Ron, we know you. <laughs> that was evident by your other interviews. Oh God, it just chose, it's so good. Our all right, we got our we LaCroix got a couple beers. of. Uh, Cool yeah, right here. that's all we're thinking about. The end of this podcast is just, uh, just this, this Lacroix right here. These cold ones are just as good as just as good as the Miller Lite that Michael Jordan drank in the trading room and, and smoking a cigar. Maybe, story. maybe I've never been a big cigar fan. For the final pod of recapping, do we <coughs> was it <this> London? <laughs> <coughs> so, anyways. <coughs> <coughs> This would be a poorly ventilated room. I could yeah, that, that window. Open. That Let's open window, the window could be open. Do we do it in honor of Jordan? In honor of Jordan, do we have? Because he always said in his some of his areas he has like whiskey. I think he does. We'll do a whiskey. Let's do a whiskey and a stogie to finish this thing out. I am so excited. Let's. I mean, the the last episode may not get in, like we might not describe what happens, <laughs> but we'll be talking about our stogies and our whiskey. And all I want to do is just, yeah, that's, I can't wait for that. Okay. We're done. Okay. We're doing that. All right. So there On we go. Sunday night at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Our little way to try and be like Jordan. Uh, all right. So there you go. That's uh, episodes five and six of the last dance documentary. I wish this thing lasts forever. If, if right now, if someone offered me a contract of every Sunday for the rest of your life, you have, you get to watch a Jordan documentary and then do a pod with Bo. I would sign it instantaneously. Part 1,074 and part 1,075 here. Yes! This is so good. I wish they did like every game and we could just do do this forever. I'd like to have a standing reservation of us hanging out. Like if this was our job forever, I'd do it. I would would take that up. I would take that up. All right, so there we go. 55 minutes in. Nick Bob, Bo Rude, simply saying this. What time is it? Game time! Who? All right, my thanks to Pella Windows and Doors. If you're thinking about a new window or a new front door, 
Now is the perfect time. Give Pella a call at 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. We will see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. Production.